Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to be back on the mic with you again. Got a fun little episode for you today. Uh, a good buddy of mine, Rick Pellett's coming on the show. Uh, most of you probably know Rick. If you don't know Rick, um, you know him and I co-host the Last Stand YouTube Predator Hunting Show together we have for the last three seasons. Um, actually just getting ready to launch season four, so uh, be sure and check that out. But Rick's a very unique guy. Um, he's been hunting coyotes as long as anybody um has been around he he's done it done it all i mean he's produced hand calls he's produced dvds with randy anderson um you know he has just some ingenious ideas um and a lot of the ideas that you see on that lucky duck predator call lineup right now were, were things that he kind of came up with you know over the last four or five years so uh he's always entertaining always has some some pretty funny stories so i'm excited to to bring you that but before we get going I need to take a quick minute to thank this episode's sponsor, which is Swagger Bipods. Now, if you followed me for any amount of time, you, you know, you'll realize that's what I shoot on all my rifles. Um, you know, for a lot of years, I went with a 27-inch Harris Bipod. You know, I would, I would try shooting sticks. Um, and I never really found a system that worked perfectly everywhere until I started shooting the Swagger system. So, you know, one thing you'll find with, with shooting a Swagger Bipod is the maneuverability and the versatility that you get with that. Um, the spring-loaded system on there allows you to maneuver and swing the rifle without really picking up the legs. The legs are adjustable size. I run the 142, which that 42 refers to the length of the leg. Um, and I do that because I sit on a lot of side hills, so I need a little bit longer bipod leg uh, in those situations. They do make a 29-inch version, you know, maybe if you're, you know, sitting on more flat ground. Um, but, uh, but Rick, who's on the show, um, he prefers the QD 42, which is the quick detach version. You know, the 142 mounts right to your rifle, to your swing, sw uh, swivel stud, uh, you know, or Picatinny rail on your, like your AR. Um, but, uh, you know, if you don't want that bipod on your gun and want to cut some weight off your gun, you know, the, the QD 42, uh, they actually make a QD 72 for, for standing as well. Um, but, uh. You know, those are those are great because you can actually just take that off your gun and pack it away in your pack if you're hiking around and things like that. But, uh, you know, if you're in the market for a new bipod system and want to put more rounds on target, meaning putting more bullets in coyotes, I recommend giving it a shot. You won't be disappointed. But uh, you can find them, again, at uh, SwaggerBipods.com. Well, Rick, great to have you on the podcast finally, man. I know you're going to be on here quite a bit, probably over the whole series of this, but... Uh, Great to have you on for this very first one. Thank you. You know, you and I have known each other for, for quite a while now. Um, you know, I thought it'd be cool to get you on an early episode here. You know, I, I, I in these podcasts and what you do as far as the, the sounds that you produce for Lucky Duck and, and just your coyote hunting, you know, background in general that, you know, you and I co-host the last stand you know, predator hunting show on, on YouTube. So I thought it'd be cool to bring you on uh, early on just to kind of talk about your history, you know, in the coyote world. This for even a, a lot longer than I have. Um, you're kind of the granddaddy of the coyote world at this point, you know. <laughs> oh. And that's literally, too, you are a granddaddy, too, you know. So, yep, yep, I am. <laughs> I, but I was always fascinated. I think it's always fascinating, you know, uh, where people kind of get their start in coyote hunting and, and your stories, you know, pretty fascinating as well. So that's kind of what I think we'll, we'll talk about today. And obviously who knows where it'll end up, but you know, let's, let's start talking about a little about your background and, and things. But before we do that, you've been out calling in coyotes yet this year? Yep. Just a few. Few? 
We're, you've been yep. trying some of those new sounds. I know you. I know you record these sounds over the year, and I know you're. That's probably your biggest thing, right? You're like gung ho to get out there to test greatest sound. Yep. Some of them I played with towards the end of last winter, but most, yeah, yeah. No, I've been playing around with them, and I got some that are pretty good this year. Maybe what's it's the good. sleeper? What's the sleeper sound of the of the season? Everybody needs to know about. Uh, as far as fights, Gooby kicking ass too. Gooby kicking ass too. Don't forget that sound. I played <laughs> on the end of every stand here the last few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh Gooby. Oh Gooby. <laughs> yeah. What else? You, what? you don't want to mention I, you know, Rick has a website called I'm like old school. I don't like telling people when I'm playing. Hey, you're you're not in that business anymore. When you start selling sounds, you can't be stingy anymore. You gotta tell people what's working. I know. Grave digger too. I recorded some burger barks that we always think is taboo, right? Yeah. So probably most people don't even know what I meant by burger barks or a pissed off coyote, right? That's telling yeah, yeah. get out of here. We know you're down there, but I've played around with them. Me and Jimmy went out. Well, we were going to go out this morning again, but we, I went out earlier this week and I had my grandkids out Saturday and, farting around these burger barks and they don't i'm having coyotes show up close enough for sure you can shoot them you know like you know what i mean it's like they want to come look and see what's going on down there they don't come on in but for sure if you can shoot a coyote at 250 yards these burger barks are going to help you get some extra coyotes nice so and i'll mention again you know your, your website verminatorpc.com um yep. you know it if you have a lucky duck predator call, you know, you can buy these sounds, extra sounds, you know, that you want on these and, and put them on there. You also sell all the lucky duck predator calls on there as well. So we'll talk about that a little bit more, but just want to give people a heads up on that too. So, yep, thanks. So yeah, let's get, let's get into it. You know, um, you know, I want to, how it all started, you know, um, you know, tell me your story. You know, I've heard, I've heard it from you and I just driving around and pick up hunting coyotes, you know, so, yep. so yeah, let's get into how, how kind of, how'd you get your start just in coyote hunting in general? Well, first off, I think it's, it's in my blood because I don't think I have ever told you this before, but my great grandpa, Jess, he, he was a trapper. He made a living trapping. He trapped all winter and in the summer he denned coyotes. Maybe I had mentioned that to you before. And then no, when, you never have. When he den and coyotes if you don't know what that means or view people listening my he would dig out dens and kill the pups and then they'd pay a bounty the state would on the i don't know if they'd cut the ears off i don't remember what my dad remembers him and and got to hang out with him a little bit but he was long gone you know in the 40s or 50s i think my dad i think he said he was a little guy and remembers following him around but I think it's kind of was in my blood. And then my, when I was growing up, my whole family ran dog wagons and the neighbors and which is a truck with a box on the back. That's full of greyhounds that, that probably got me. And I grew up, you know, with TR real close to us there. And I don't know, just, I had a fascination with coyotes from, from a, from the get-go i was always drawing pictures of them in school and 
anytime we had to stand up and do whatever you call that in school where you have to tell a little story when you're in grade school i don't even know what they call that once a week i, I always it was always about coyotes so but i always in the dog wagons i rooted for the coyote you know kind of closet rooted for him was yeah yeah one if one and get away i'd be like yeah <laughs> i i always didn't, didn't think that was fair five greyhounds you know chasing down one coyote but whatever it's but that that would be happened when that happened like what was usually the odds like when you jumped a coyote it probably determined probably was probably how close the coyote was when you first jumped it you know, uh, based off the odds that you were going to get that coyote or not necessarily no i mean it, if it's running out across the open flat wheat field they could turn loose 300 yards away from the coyote and they they'd run it down it's all about the cover you know if the, if there's a creek 100 yards away the coyote's probably going to get away you know what i mean because the dogs yeah. just they're there it's all about the sight you know they they don't use their nose. Like if the coyote would disappear, you know, into the cover, that, that's it. They'd turn around and look at each other like, what what happened? You know, they, <laughs> they, they, don't, they won't use their nose to go try to track the coyote down. So, yeah, the more open it is, the less odds for the coyote. Now, that was, you know, chasing, you know, using the with dogs, you know, it's pretty popular. You know, Kansas is obviously, a, you know, even up here in Nebraska, they've done that a lot. We don't. You know, traditionally, you know, that seems like pretty popular, you know, throughout the, you know, the mid, you know, 1900s and stuff of, you know, up to the late 1900s. Out prices were a little bit and, you know, they could go catch three or four and pay for their dogs and pay for the dog food and pay for their truck and stuff like that doing that, huh? Yep, yep. There's still, you know, quite a few of them around here. Now they've adapted just like we do, you know, with our predator stuff and our sounds, they've they got little Toyotas, you know, now with dog, little smaller dog boxes on the back. And, you know, they, they still do it around here. Not as much, but the, the, the white tail deer hunting, I'm not going to say wrecking everything for everybody, you know, but it's everything. All the leases, just all the, all yeah, the leases, leases and the popularity. Everybody well, wanted to come to Kansas to shoot a big white tail. Yeah. It's, it's changed how we hunt. You know, we used to go like now, right in the middle of rut. It, you, you you just can't hardly find anywhere to hunt unless your family has places. As far as calling coyotes, because there's a bow hunter in a tree every quarter mile. Gotcha. Yeah. So you kind of have to wait on most of your spots. You know, till ruts over about Thanksgiving usually everybody's about done we used to have tons of pheasants out here too and that that always would slow the calling up a little bit because there's guys marching you know everywhere shooting pheasants but now it's we don't have the pheasants no more so so that's not an issue one thing about calling coyotes though it's getting to be about the last thing that that a normal person you know that lives in town you know what i mean they can still go knock on some doors later in the winter and guys farmers will let you call coyotes i mean they don't like them yeah well yeah you can spend you know a couple three hundred bucks 20 bucks on hand call you know and every deer rifle and 
yep. you know, you can go, you, you can go hunt. That's for sure. Yep. So back, so back to, yeah, go ahead. Let's talk back to your, uh, you know, your days early, you know, young man out there bouncing around with your grandpa and TR, you know, yep. you hadn't started calling coyotes at that point, but, and I'd brought this point up before to you, you'd actually, you know, probably un- you're actually learning about coyote behavior at that point, you know, where, where yeah. these coyotes were during the middle part of the day. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Riding around in that dog wagon every weekend helped me and old TR. We knew exactly once we figured out how to call and how to run the call. Yeah, we were, we were in them pastures before the dog wagons were on the weekends as we got older. Shooting their and so you were, you were learning about the cover, you know, we talk yeah. about cover a lot. Like we're always looking for some sort of co- coyotes are going to be in some sort of cover more times than not, you know, yep. and yep. that's, and you talk about driving those dog wagons down the edges of those crick bottoms mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and you've said, Hey, you'd hang a 22 pistol out the window and just, bow, 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 you know, fire yeah, some yeah. shots down in there to spook them out. So yeah, you were learning. Okay. Wow. At, you know, middle part of the day. Wow. These coyotes are seems to always be laid up down in these thick draws or, or whatever. Yep. It's funny how they, like, my grandpa would always, there's a pasture with a bunch of plum thickets, I don't know, about a mile from where my grandpa's house was. And I'm telling you, they're, that's where we all met up first spot in the morning. And there never was a weekend when there wasn't a pair of coyotes in there. And we caught them. They, it was one of them kind of places where they'd have it surrounded, you know, and these two, every weekend they'd catch two coyotes out of there. And next, it's funny how that, I don't know if it's because it's the cover and there was new coyotes waiting to get in there. What do you think about that? We'd catch yeah, I, coyotes every weekend and they were there. There was new ones in there every weekend. I'd, I always wondered how that, maybe somebody smarter than me someday can tell me, is it because that there were other coyotes living in a crappier place, and they're like, "Man, them them two are gone. Let's move in here." <laughs> that's that's what I think. You know, just you know, you and I have calling spots where we can go back and hit it maybe four four times a winter. You know, and we'll kill a coyote out of those spots every single time. And it, that's why I've always looked at it as like this is like prime real estate. Yeah. And yep. once once the Mac Daddy's blown out of there, you know, hey, these these younger, maybe transient coyotes, I call them, you know, that are just kind of roaming around. And all of a sudden yep. they say, oh, wow, I can slip in there and this is my spot now, you know. Yeah, moved in. So for them two left, you suppose some other le- more or less subordinate ones took over their area? It sounds <laughs> like, think? you know what I mean? When they're howling, it, it's it's unreal how many coyotes we got around here and how, I don't know. Yeah, and I really our- think that has to do with densities. You know, the, the higher density you have of coyotes around, I think the faster they'll move into those spots. You know, yeah. let's say we're out in eastern Kansas or eastern uh, Colorado hunting with TR, you know, in that big open country. You know, I think obviously yep. the, the, the densities aren't as high as they are there where you're at or even maybe up my way in the sand hills and stuff. So I think, yeah, I think that all has to do with it. The higher the densities, the quicker things are going to move in and, you know, get pushed around and, and things. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so now as me, you, yeah. So I, as you progress, let's get into a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Finish, finish. So, and how that progressed. We're in the dog wagons, you know, in grade school. And I grew up on a farm, you know, no matter what, what I did, it was, it was, uh, like, I like where I'm going with this. My job was to load set in the middle and TR when he was with us, 
was to load these pistols. I mean, my grandpa, he had had holsters screwed into the about where your knee is on the door, you know, had holsters screwed into the side of the door and these pistols were in there and they were whoever was riding on one on the passenger side that was we had to keep these pistols loaded man it was serious too because they want to i don't know how many rounds they'd shoot in a day i'll bet my grandpa would shoot a brick of 22 <laughs> in two now, weeks. Robert, this is you now just so people understand this wasn't to shoot the coyotes this was to spook the the sound of the gunshot would spook the coyotes out so you could see them running and turn dogs loose yep exactly so uh, that was our job was to keep the pistols loaded. And then as we got older, you know, say maybe eighth grade, my grandpa would let me ride by the passenger door. I, so these dog wagons got a rope comes into the right up above by the window. And when you yank that rope, it opens the dog box. So like say about eighth grade, my grandpa started letting me ride. So I, I always wanted to, you know, get in on the action, right? Yeah. So if a double would get up, you'd turn loose on the, with the first batch. And then if the coyote split or whatever, you'd have that extra set of dogs. But anyway, so as me and TR got older, I found myself when I got to shoot the pistol and the draws, sometimes the coyote would get up, right? You know, 30 yards from the truck in the, in a draw. And I'd line them sights up on it, bang, 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 bang. You know, I'd empty the gun on the coyote. And my grandpa, he'd get on my ass about it and say, I'm <laughs> telling you, boy, them coyotes are for me and them greyhounds, not for you and that pistol. You better not be shooting at it. He didn't like it when we, so that, I was one of them kind of kids anyway. So that would cause me, I was shooting at them all the time as I got into eighth grade and a freshman and then, I don't remember if it was me or TR or somebody. We got this magazine called Fur Fishing Game, maybe I think it was called. I'm not sure. This had to be about 79 or 80. And it had this article in there by this guy named Dan Thompson. Of course, you know who that is. Probably most of the young people watching this ain't got a clue maybe who you suppose. He was, Probably, yeah. He was, He's been gone for a while, but yeah. He was, he was an old guy then like an 80 you know what i mean i think he was he seemed like it <clears throat> but i showed it to tr and we we start talking about calling calling yeah we got to do that we got to figure that out so it was just talk you know there i don't remember if we were eighth graders or freshmen but to move forward a little bit um we had state trappers in kansas i guess I don't know if there were just one or 10 or I don't know how all that worked, you know, and probably different in every state. Wouldn't you think back then? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of time per County or, you know, one guy would cover a couple counties or something like that. Usually you don't have state trappers in Nebraska. Do you nowadays? Yeah, we still actually do. You know, do, they don't, I, I don't, they're not quite to be, but I don't think there is in Kansas anymore, but anyway, so a neighbor farmer, big cattle guy he was having calves killed and he told we knew about it because we were supposed to come over there and run dog wagons and see you know get over there and get the coyotes killed seemed like it was a couple weekends later my dad 
my grandpa and me were in this gas station on this 8124 highway, that little junction, right close to where this guy that was having calves killed. There was a big, tall, strapping guy in there, and my dad and grandpa started talking to him, and I heard coyote this and coyote that, you know, so I, I got my attention, and I went over there and was trying to listen, and this guy was a state trapper, and his name was Bob Henderson, and he's telling, you know, yeah, I think we got the one causing the problem, and then and then I really got interested, and I, I got started. And, oh, I think, yeah, TR, too. He, I think he says, he says, how do you know? TR's more of a thinker, you know, than I am. Yeah, yeah. How, do, how do you know? That was, the, he said, well, because it only had three legs, and it was real old, and his teeth were wore down. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That, that coyote probably would have been looking for some easy meals, you know. But anyway he starts talking about how he calls them in too, you know, and then I really perked up and make a long story short, this guy pulls a used tally ho out of his pocket and hands it to me. I still remember it cause it had them, it had teeth marks all on the black reed, you know, and first I thought that was a little gross, you know, when I saw that, but then I, I, wa I don't remember if I washed it or what, but that, that's how, that's how I got started. Me and TR calling coyotes is from a guy named Bob Henderson, a state trapper, and he gave us a tally-ho. So now, you know, as you move forward, you know, <clears throat> essentially you got into making hand calls at one point. Yep. yep. And, and that was kind of your basis of, of getting into it. Now, back in that time, you know, maybe some of the, some of the, people listening don't really understand there was not e-calls there was not electronic calls no yet, you know well um there there that would have been about 1980 and there might have been a record player johnny record players, yeah wouldn't you think maybe them that, that would have been starting about then probably i don't know i think it was but for sure you know at that no. point there's probably a handful of guys that had something like that you know everybody else was blowing hand calls at that point yep so then, so now as you, you know, as you, as you guys start getting out and start getting this figured out, you know, yep. uh, you know, you fast forward, what, probably to the early nineties, is that kind of about when you finally started, you know, getting into what I call more of the commercial side where you started making hand calls and, um, you know, yep. getting into the video <laughs> side of things. And we actually struggled a little bit for a while there after that guy gave us that call, we both had dirt bikes and he had a 410 and I don't remember we had we had some guns that were available to us to use but we would strap them on our motorcycles with bungee cords and then we you know wah, riding the dirt bikes around you know and then we'd stop <laughs> and try to call one you, you we weren't thinking you know I don't know I do remember that because my dad's got this old <clears throat> he he had an eight millimeter and I think I've mentioned this to you before it should have somebody take all these reels because it's got video of me and tr with our guns strapped to our dirt bikes yeah. tearing out of the driveway to go call coyotes or whatever you know in the dog wagons would be some pretty interesting stuff probably to look oh, yeah. at yeah um, well, so so you were at the point you know i talk to people about this a lot like you know it's very hard you know guys that are just starting out calling coyotes right now 
you know, they have a lot more information accessible to them nowadays than what, you know, you had and even I had in the, you know, the mid nineties and things like that. But ultimately there's no substitute for trial and error. Right. I mean, that's what I try to tell people. You know, I tell my story too. how many coyotes for years, you know, trying to figure out all this basic stuff. And I'm sure you're probably no different, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm, I'm really old school, you know, so many stuff is like you said is available for people to read and understand and and have you know all the info you need to go calling but what really makes you a good coyote killer is just go out there and do it learn it figure it out you know what i mean so i don't know but yeah we we struggled mostly i think there for a couple years because we were tearing around on dirt bikes we didn't have a driver's license yet you know but we could go anywhere on our dirt bikes we wanted my grandpa would say as long as you don't cross the highway i don't care where you go so that left us a lot of (laughs) (laughs) so but then we got we got it figured out and we had a pickup you know and you know when you're in high school back then we all had guns in the pickups when we went to school because we wanted to go hunt little bit when we got out of school on the way home yep it's crazy how much different stuff is already oh yeah i was i was telling my boys about that that i used to yeah i'd have my rifle and my shotgun in my pickup and sitting in the school parking lot because you're exactly right you know school would get out at three o'clock and in the winter you know it wasn't getting dark till 4 30 so you'd have time to run out and jump shoot some ducks or you know go chase around a coyote or something you know and they're like looking at me like yeah you'd get you know thrown in jail now if you showed up to school with a, yeah. with a gun in your, in your car this real quick my dad had this old 270 winchester model 70 and he gave it to me when i when i mean me and tr were calling calling we had 410 and a 20 gauge sometimes and my grandpa had a lever action 30 30 that we took sometimes and it just <laughs> We were, we were to the point where we were calling them in, but we were struggling getting them killed, you know, because we just didn't. And so he gave me this Model 70 Winchester 270. Had some old fixed Weaver scope on it. You know, it didn't have a dial or, you know, what I, you know the scope. Oh, yeah, on. yeah. Yeah, like a fixed six power or something on it, maybe. Man, that, th- that turned me into a coyote slayer, I'm telling you. <laughs> Well, yeah, especially so, if all you ever had was a 20 gauge and a 410 <laughs> a gauge and a lever action 3030. <laughs> that sometimes when you cocked it like that, it'd shoot, it'd just shoot. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and the 20 gauge had a, you know, it was a single shot, right? Breakover. I think it was some old Stevens, right? Yeah. Well, I dropped it off my dirt bike and it broke the hammer off of it so you could you had to use two fingers to get a hold of it pull it back you follow what i'm saying (laughs) yeah it broke that off so yeah we were we were that 270 i'm telling you and then how many coyotes with that how many coyotes with that 20 gauge only having one shot did you roll and they got got up and ran off (laughs) plenty i was gonna say plenty (laughs) probably huh which what what size do you remember what uh size loads you were shooting out of that 20 gauge were you just shooting like pheasant loads or did you actually have some yeah, some bigger stuff yeah, six, shot, six shot pheasant load and they had to be on top of you for it to kill them yeah. <laughs> we figured out with the 22 shooting them in the head was the way to kill them 
Yeah, you sp- I suppose you could probably shoot a coyote with a twenty-two through the ribs, and it probably in your country it probably all, still run a hundred yards and die down in the creek bottom. You they, never even find it. They all ran off. So then, it, you know, we either had to wait till with the shotgun till they were ten yards away, or try to shoot them in the head with twenty-twos. We were trying different things, and that thirty-thirty was okay, but that two seventy. That two seventy changed it all. That was like like a chunk of gold to me. <laughs> probably wasn't real fur friendly was it no but i didn't care <laughs> it was a dead it, coyote right you see what a pack of greyhounds does to a coyote you 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 know a, a cantaloupe sized hole in one ain't, ain't even as bad as what they look like <laughs> a greyhound getting done uh, so yeah that so we we got pretty good at it plus there wasn't anybody doing it it was so you know wasn't no wasn't no such thing as an educated coyote unless it was me and tr doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you you know we still hunt when i go down there and hunt with you and i have i've hunted with you now for quite a few years down at your place you know your yep. family has quite a bit of ground you know between you know your dad and brothers and cousins and uncles yep. and stuff so have you guys always had that i mean even when you grew up you had quite a bit of land down there that you had access yeah. to yeah we actually had probably more you know plus honestly me and TR, we didn't even ever ask anybody to go call. And, you know, when we were in high school in the early 80s, you just wasn't no big deal. Went. Yeah. We just went, we went calling wherever we wanted to, you know. Nowadays, you'd and, be on somebody's lease getting ran off. Oh yeah. 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 Nope. But we rode in them dog wagons, you know, all over the place. So we knew where we were wanting to go. And, and I don't know. My grandpa didn't like it, actually. Cause like on a Sunday morning, you know, we'd see him somewhere and we'd have four in the back of the truck and five dog wagons only had two. My grandpa, <laughs> he kind of got where he, you know, he knew that was turning into our passion. And then, then he tried to get us to come along in a dog wagon and then go over the hill and call, try to get, make the coyotes get where that, that we even tried it, but it didn't work because there's too many vehicles around. Yeah, he yeah. thought we could call him out in the open, you know. It, it didn't work. It was, <laughs> it was a bad idea. <laughs> I did love that that dog wagon stuff, the, just the going ninety mile an hour, you know, and tearing the vehicles up. It, yeah, what was, was the, I was going to ask you this? I never asked you this. What was the worst wreck you ever got in in that truck? Like hitting a wash out in the middle of a you know, of a stubble field or anything i mean to just uh, ever just hit something where it just totally d- destroyed the truck where it couldn't go any further or? i've seen several things the only one i was ever when i was riding was we hit a ditch and it left the front right tire in the ditch and the rim oh, and geez. the a right off yeah <laughs> yep uh saw a guy stop on top of a hill because he thought he saw it when 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 they say get on the cb they were cbs back then i think they probably use fm whatever now but when they get on there and say my grandpa's name was wilbur and he was kind of the leader i would say you know like the guy he was always driving the pastures and i don't know he was just that guy yeah or tr's brother was named mike he he was also kind of uh, he was on one end of the pasture and they'd meet up and whatever and like tr's brother mike would say going west well there's a pair of them going west well whenever you hear that it's like a 
everybody's on the road all the vehicles get fired up and it's like they're revving them up where where's he gonna go where are they gonna go you know i don't know it was kind of a blast although i root i just i don't know i just didn't think it was fair that many i tell my grandpa just turn one dog loose one dog and he did one time it was his throat dog it took him forever to catch up because they're usually slow yeah yeah the throat dog is usually the the meanest one and he's always lagging behind he's probably missing half an ear and all scarred up because he's meaner to junkyard dog when you walk by the dog box the throat dog's like where the rest of them are like a a pet you know you can pet (laughs) but so he turned he had his throat dog named joker or whatever i think it was joker when i was in high school he had to take a pair of pliers to get it to let go of the coyote so we could throw it on the dog box and go back to hunting he had to take his pliers and grab him by the nuts to get him to let go of the. <laughs> and they get him right there i don't know how they know that natural instinct you think or what just right it's... underneath the jaw right on the throat huh yep just like just like you see lions catch it you know what i mean it's weird yeah. I, it's just natural i guess <clears throat> right there was that throat dog normally a different breed of dog or was it normally just another greyhound? Just another greyhound. It was evil. <laughs> An evil one. <laughs> <laughs> it it was fun. It, I have to admit it was it was fun. Mostly like I said, the roaring around. Me and TR we had we bought a doom buggy even when, when we were calling coyotes and had we'd run the pastures and the creeks with that thing i mean a sand rail type deal but it, it wasn't as fan it wasn't fancy like they are now and that only lasted yeah. about maybe three weekends because my grandpa thought we were going to get killed in it when we were coming down the road you know nobody could see it oh jeez. you know what i mean it was yeah. too low <clears throat> yeah we bought a you know them remember them them cb antennas that were 10 feet tall oh yeah and they'd flop around yeah 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 we put a big flag on it just try to get grandpa to let us keep using it that was a blast too we also had not four wheelers but they're they were called big reds them honda three wheelers yeah three wheeler yeah me and tr right shoot cricks out with them (coughs) also they had a snowmobile or a snow machine whatever you want to call it we did a little bit of that. Not we didn't never get hardly get enough snow to utilize that thing, but I don't know. It, it's that's what we grew up doing, and I think it's just in my blood from like my great grandpa Jet. I mean, that guy was a trap for a living. Imagine that. <clears throat> oh yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you say you know that you were always rooting for the coyote secretly. You know. Yeah, I was- I was. I mean, because me, you know, I think a lot of people look at us as coyote hunters that maybe don't understand it, and they think, oh, they're just ruthless killers, you know. But even in a in a sense, I mean, I'm not out there. I don't. People think we hate coyotes. That's why we're out trying to kill a big pile of them. It's yeah, yeah. We actually, you know, I'm sure you're just like me. We respect coyote. I mean, that's that's the challenge of it. We respect them so much that, hey, you know, it's kind of like kind of a deal and i'm gonna challenge myself against you um not that we just hate you you know yeah yeah nope i got i i agree with you there i got great respect for them there for man has tried to eliminate them things for so 
you know what I mean? From cyanide bombs. Oh, yeah. They just can't get rid of them. And now they're everywhere in every state. I don't think there's probably a state where there's not coyotes now, is there? Mm, probably Hawaii is the only one. I suppose. I don't know nothing about <laughs> it. I'll bet you'd take a couple pairs over there. It wouldn't take them too long to Ooh. get us. No, I'm sure with all the little wild, like, you know, those like sheep and stuff they've turned loose over there over the years and hogs and things. Yeah, they for coyotes to, to eat there. Yeah. <clears throat> so they now if you fast forward a little bit now, um, you know, you're getting good at coyote hunting now. You're out of high school. What was first? You, you first started getting into the hand call stuff? Kind of, I want to, you know, a lot of people might that have been around a while probably know that you had a hand call line out for quite a while before you kind of got into what you're doing now. Yep. So kind of explain how you got into that. Well, I I got out of high school and I moved to Clay Center. And I started working for the the auto parts store, the Napa store, and they had a full machine shop. And I was always into building engines and hot rods and stuff like that. And I had, I had critter calls. I had tally hose. I had every kind of a hand call that, that there was, you know, man, I just, honestly, I started sawing one off and gluing that thing into that. And <clears throat> then that's, you know what I mean? Just yeah, screwing yeah. around. And then I don't know, maybe about 89, I got some nylon rod and me and my brother just started on the lathes in the machine shop, you know, spinning out at a hard nylon rod. I tried the woodworking stuff, but I, I wasn't, I just couldn't figure that out very good, you know, with dry, with green, you know, I just couldn't, I don't know. I ended up using like nylon rod and then we'd spin our pieces on the, and, and give TR one and a TR's buddy, you know, he said, Hey, have him, hey, have him get me one of them. I want one. You know what I mean? And that's. <clears throat> so these were open, open read style calls, right? Yeah. Open read. Yeah. I never did ever really make a closed read because all them ones that I had when it was really cold would freeze up, you know? So I, I, I didn't like that. Yeah. Open reads. Definitely. So, yeah, we just kind of started farting around the machine shop, making some and <clears throat> kind of started selling, you know, oh, yeah, just give me five bucks. What, you know, didn't hadn't thought of it as like making a living doing it at that time. Yeah. yeah. But then uh, maybe early 90s, maybe I was making more every winter, you know still not i didn't had didn't have my name verminator yet it was just me and my brother farting around machine shop still a hobby yeah yeah i would say 91 maybe or two or three i know i don't know i can't exactly remember but there used to be this magazine called trapper predator caller it was more like a paper Remember yeah, like a newspaper. Yeah. It almost looked like a newspaper. Yep. Yeah. Trapper predator collar. And I actually, I got that Ma I was getting that magazine and there was an old timer named Jerry Blair 
I'm sure you remember him. He he's wrote books on coyote calling. I think he was from Arizona or wherever, but he had a little somewhere in that magazine he would do a QA and somebody asked, said they had a nylon or a plastic hand call. He had a picture of it on there and I was like, holy crap, that's my call. So that and that guy I don't remember if Cindy called or sent that guy, Jerry Blair, a letter. I don't even remember exactly how it happened. But anyway, the next issue, he said, this guy is from Clay Center, Kansas. His name is Rick Paulette. Don't know if he's really selling them or whatever, but we had, we were getting, let, you know, like letters in the mail. Yeah, back people, yeah, there was no email back there. He was getting stamped <laughs> letters. <laughs> yeah, we just got, I mean, we got a pile of letters too. So then I thought I better come up with a name, you know, or whatever and, I'd been watching Married with Children, and there was this blonde girl on there, good-looking little chick. You, you, you ever watch that show? Yeah, yeah, I remember that show. And she was hot. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> one episode, I, when, I, when I was trying to come up with a name for whatever I was going to call this deal, I was watching that show, and she started working for a pest control company and the side of her car said verminator. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to call it. <laughs> it's judgment day for varmints. Like yeah. verminator. Yeah. All right. No, it's great. So that, name. I came up with a name and then it just kind of took off from there as the years, as a few I don't know, say that was 93, maybe my, at about the same time, my dad started first, he had this, my dad was always into kind of farting around with cameras and stuff. Cause he had that high eight thing or whatever it was called that had no sound on it. When we were growing up, you just watch it on a wall, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So he buys this huge thing that looks like something they use on tv now i mean it seemed like it was two feet long and it had a, it had a vhs ain't that what they called them tape yeah, in the, yeah the full size yeah full vhs size. tapes yeah so he go we go take it calling right and i don't know he can't he's he can't get nothing filmed when it's, he just had a heck of a time and we either didn't call nothing in when he was long or he didn't get it. He did kind of get a few here and there. And then I'd go want to show somebody what dad filmed the coyote we killed. And then my mom would be taped over it. You know, it was like, <laughs> <coughs> so anyway, then there was some other camera he got a couple years later. Maybe that was called high eight. Yeah, that thing he had was called eight millimeter back when we were kids. Eight millimeter. Then he got that VHS deal, and then something called High Eight. It was a fairly big tape, but not quite as big as VHS. No. Uh -uh. Yeah. So, and the camera was small, you know. And I don't think I bought it from him, but I think I just borrowed it from him. But I didn't like sitting there not it killed me to see coyotes come in and not get killed and run off that is yeah, always yeah. that is always <laughs> just tore me up and when i'm when i'm there kind of like when you 
around here, I'm the coyote slayer, but I know when I go with you and TR, you guys are better than I am. But around here, I'm like the Jeff around, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> they, they come in, we get them killed, you know, pretty good. But if I'm sitting there running a camera, these coyotes are running off and not getting shot. And I, I just couldn't handle that in the nineties. <laughs> so I took this camera, I took this camera, the old man's and I figured out how to rig it up on a gun. Well, I think I was shooting a 243 back then quite a bit. And it, that was hard on the old man's camera when it, when the gun would go off, it'd go black and it'd take it 20 seconds to come back on. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, and I, first I, I have always reloaded because my family just grew up reloading, you know? So I just made a reduced the loads on the 243 like subsonic stuff you would call it nowadays i was i was trying to get it so it didn't bother the camera so much that kind of worked a little bit but it still flickered so then i ended up putting it on a 22 mag and just shooting bobcats and coyotes in the head when they came in and a few years went by man i think in 98 or something anderson came out with this video calling all coyotes one or just call i don't remember what it was called <clears throat> randy your favorite randy anderson right yep a rock and randall i called him <laughs> so i watched that i watched his video i bought it somewhere and watched it and it was really good and it had a little card in it with dan thompson and bill austin call he sold calls and had a had a website and I didn't even know what a website was still I wasn't into computers or phones or I don't even know if there was was there phones and cell phones in 98 yeah probably the big ones like you know like bag phones bag and phone. probably the big big flip phones yeah <clears throat> so anyway I me and my brother kind of had we could make you know we we could make a few calls in a day, you know, not too many. And I was kind of selling some just locally. So I sent him a, I wrote him a letter said, here's a Tweety and here's the thumper. My name, Verminator predator calls who I was and what I did. And I had my wife, Cindy mail them to him. And I, in the letter, I said, if you don't like them or think they're junk just throw them in the trash and don't tell anybody if you like them tell your <laughs> and he called me right up he hadn't even used them he just he 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 said that was i really like how you wrote that letter how if you don't like them just throw them in the trash if you do tell your buddies <laughs> so i was telling him that i'd been filming you know and <clears throat> I don't think he, I don't know if he didn't call many cats or whatever, but there was a time when I was really fascinated by cats, just how they, you know, how they creep in real slow. And I had this 22 mag and I was wanting, I had a fishing pole that had a little rabbit I stuffed and I'd fling it out there so I wouldn't have to walk out there and make a scent trail, you know, and then I tried, <laughs> tried reeling it in to get, I was always screwing around with stuff like that. So I was telling him, I, I got like 20 bobcats creeping in. He's like, you're kidding me. Send me some of that footage. So, so I did. 
and that's how me and Randy started doing videos together. And honestly, without him, I would, I would, I would have never been where I am now. Cause I'm not a very good self promoter. I don't, I don't like to sign no autograph, which don't happen for I mean, when we go eat somewhere. I'm kind of allergic to people, I think, a little bit. So I don't know. I just ain't, I'm no good at self-promoting. And I never have been. And Randy, he's good at it. You're good at it. You know what I mean? It takes yeah. somebody that's good at that to move ahead. And I've just been lucky, you know, that I just... So tell me that story. You told me the the story when you're when you guys had that first. What was that first DVD that, or the first? It wasn't a DVD. The first videotape that, that you guys, the Verminator one, and you put put it on the Outdoor Channel or something like that. Tell me that that story. Okay, so <clears throat> Randy had made the call on all coyotes. I'd sent him my footage. He's like, "Holy crap, man! What do you think about making a going together and making a collaboration?" Yeah. He said, he said, well, it'll, it'll say verminator, you know, won't be calling all coyotes. It'll be yours, but I'll, I'll, I'll come out and we'll bring Glenn and we'll try to get some kills and you bring your dad out here. And then if we think we don't have enough footage, then I'll put some of mine without you on it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. You know, I thought that was, the. <laughs> I didn't care. So we we did that spent a i don't know one winter or two so we could have some footage with him and anyway he he got it all put together and then had me come out there and then we did like this voiceover and all that <clears throat> he had some i don't know how, he was selling them he he had like email and i had email so i could see the orders he was handling it though but we were had the same email so i could look at it and he asked me about running some commercials on the outdoor channel and i was like oh really and i i think it i don't remember exactly but i thought it cost 500 bucks or i don't know i can't remember exactly and i i kind of my wife thought that was you know how many video we're only get two dollars and fifty cents every time one gets sold you know how many that's going to be for you i'm like yeah i don't know so the first time that commercial was on the outdoor channel right after it got done my wife's like Rook, get in there and look at this email and the orders were going but bing 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 it's crazy it's crazy how that works you know like hundreds of orders for just minutes minutes after one commercial yeah just (laughs) fast as fast as you could you couldn't even read them they were going by and it didn't last that long but i mean you know i just it was it was pretty awesome so so then you guys put out what a couple three different i did i did six or seven verminator videos but, but with Randy, Randy, you did a couple, and then he. Yeah, he went. He got hooked up with Primos, and that was kind of the end of that. So, so I keep, keep doing my thing, you know, hand calls, because Fox Pro, you know, was. On the scene off. at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burnham Brothers. 
there was all kind of stuff, you know, about 98, 99, 2000. And I'm like, well, you got to be such a sissy to use electronic call. I wouldn't get caught dead with one. That was my mentality. Because I'm trying to make a living selling these hand calls. And it was all right. It was all right through the 2000s. You know, I got hooked up with Cabela's and I'm like, holy cow. You know, they'd order $20,000 worth of them. Sports and warehouse. Everything was going great in the 2000s. I I was working at Napa. And let my guys run the store while me and Jason were back there making calls, you know, when it's a family owned deal, you know, that's just kind of, Oh yeah. <clears throat> what, what was your most fun DVD that you put out? Was it your Bowmania one? Or was that the yeah, most, it, uh, was that the most, uh, just excruciating one? Cause hard to get no, them killed. I, Cause it was the heart, you know, when, when I'm one of these guys, when somebody Anderson said, Oh, that's stupid. You could never kill enough coyotes to even make it you know what i mean yeah yeah so when somebody tells me you can't do that it's too hard you'll fail you know i if you tell me that i'll burn i'll i'll bury us all just showing you i can do it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but yeah i i liked it my friends kind of liked it for a while we'd take a rifle and have it laying there on the ground or leaning up you know and then i'll be sitting there with our bows and like franson was the worst coyote stuff you know how they always check up out there 100 100 you know not all of them but lots of them do right yeah do a little checkup out there oh they just need a little you know That'd bring him on the rest of the way. Franson's already, when they do that checkup, he's already laid his bow down slowly. I see him reaching over there for his rifle. I'm like, we ain't never going to get it. So then I I wouldn't take him. I said, bow only. You're not taking your rifle too. Well, yeah, it, it it was hard, but I enjoyed it. I thought we'd sell millions of copies of it too, you know, but it was the least selling we got so there's no way people there's no way people can even probably watch that anymore, is there? Because of the the grossness of it. No, just because like uh, access to it. Oh, I, mean, do you, I, I still got like 500 copies of it upstairs of the DVDs. Yeah, you sell yep. you still sell it on your website or not? <laughs> They're on there, but I don't think anybody buys. Oh, them. I was gonna say that should be a bone. You throw, start throwing that in there, man. That'd be cool if we could. Re- take those and put them on like youtube nowadays like a couple three in a shot you know because there's some crazy i mean you're shooting bobcat you unicorn and some coyotes on there with oh yeah this is back the old school bows when it's like the big aluminum arrows and oh yeah you know these crappy bows you know several of them get shot and arrows hanging out of them and they're, they spin around they bite that aluminum arrow off like a like a toothpick and then run <laughs> off you were telling me sometimes you'd have a broadside coyote face into the left and you would release the arrow and that coyote would do basically a 180 spin to leave. Yeah. Now the coyote's basically facing right and the arrow would hit it on the right side. I mean, there's yeah. that fast. Yeah, that fast. But we ain't shooting 400 feet per second bows like they are now. I still think, the, yeah, I don't know. You know, they just, yep. they six cents they're quick 
that bow you used when we filmed that last stand episode, uh, that, I think it was that, season three. Was that the same bow when we were trying to shoot, you were trying to shoot a raccoon with your bow? That uh, was the on, same bow. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I have a better bow, you know, for deer hunting. I got several bows, but they're, I'm standing up in a tree stand and I can draw 70 pounds. You know what I mean? But that one that I took, that is the that is the bow I used for Bow Maniac because it's 55, maybe 60, and I can draw it sitting on my butt or on my knees. So, yeah, it's it's not that fast. Well, if anybody wants a, a Bow Mania DVD, just hit Rick up. Sounds <laughs> yeah. like he's got a few. You know, you want to check out something cool you probably never seen before. Yep, I think there's. 27 coyotes get killed on it and three three or four cats and a handful of coons <laughs> some of some of the coons i even stuck to the tree when they're on the side of it oh jeez <laughs> shish kebobbed them yep <laughs> so now you know you you mentioned this a lot you know you're it's one thing I've always admired about you is the, the way that you come up with just some of the craziest ideas I've ever heard stuff that I could never in a million years think of and the ingenuity, you know, and a lot of that obviously now is in full display with, with the lucky duck predator call line that we have. So, you know, fast forward a little bit past the DVDs and things, you know, we're getting into the, you know, mid two thousands. Now, how, how did you get hooked up with lucky duck? Um, a guy named, sparky sparks m2d camo remember him or you remember that yeah camo? that real yellow looking grass camo you still wear yep. some every now and then yep he i met him somewhere i don't know if it was a show or i don't remember but i met him and then he called me or messaged me or something i don't remember but said hey would you wear some of this camo by saying i said heck yeah so so that's somehow him and Tim were involved as well. And I don't remember exactly what their connection was, but anyway, this Sparky guy, he, <clears throat> he leases up, he has a lot of different land leases. Like he has some land that he leases in Idaho for elk hunting. I don't believe he guides. He might do some guiding, but mostly he shows you where you can go. You know what I mean? And has yeah. a place for you to stay. So I wanted to go out there. I told him, I said, Hey, I want to come out there and try to call wolves. Cause you can shoot them. I don't know what, which one of the lower 48 States you could shoot wolves in first. I kind of think it might've been Idaho, right? Yep, it was. So that's, I wanted to go out there <clears throat> and he, he had, Tim had called me and was, talking to me about maybe meeting out there because he wanted me to he so people know me, real quick tim tim is the owner of lucky duck yep tim's yep, the owner gotcha. of lucky duck. yep he wanted to, me to check out their decoys you know and this and that <clears throat> and i said just send me some of your decoys because it took a year before we ended up going to idaho and I, tim sent me some of the decoys and i played around with them and anyway so maybe the next winter we met up out there in Idaho and took Tim calling and he got to meet me and I got to meet him. And I told him that <clears throat> my hand call sales, you know, are kind of 
taking a nosedive. And the e-call got, market. Yeah. I got to figure out. I'm either going to have to go back, work at napping, helping on the farm, or I got to figure out how to, because the hand call <laughs> stuff. I'm not now. See, back up just a little bit. My dad, I had been at Napa busy with the hand calls having my employees come back there because cabela's like when they give us an order it says ship or cancel that means if you don't get it to us on you know just forget it you don't say hey it's going to take me a couple extra weeks to get these hand you know that that ain't so i would have all my employees back there in the back while people weren't getting taken care of in napa you know what i mean and then my dad yeah, yeah. got I think my dad came to play center and somebody must have told him, Hey, you better go over there to Napa and straighten that place out. I was in there and it took me an hour. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. my dad, my dad called me and said, you need, you and Cindy need to come out. We're going to have a meeting about the store. And whenever I hear something like that from my dad, I know it ain't going to be good. So I don't know what it's about though at the time. So we go out there and he's like, you're, you're going to quit doing that. You know, people ain't getting what, and he was right. You know, somebody wants to buy an engine and I tell my mom, I'll call them later. I got it. We're working on hand calls, you know, and then I wouldn't call him, you know, he <laughs> yeah, was yeah. right. He was right. And I sat there and thought about it. And I thought he is right. I shouldn't have all the guys back there. Customers mad, you know? So I want to do, what I'm doing so bad that night at my dad's that I said, I'll tell you what, I'm not coming. I'm done. I'm going to pursue a hundred percent. I've half-assed Napa and I've half-assed Verminator, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And he says, you're an idiot. I mean, he gets, me and him was me and him. It's kind of like Orange County choppers a little bit, minus the cussing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. me cuss. He he don't. But he's I don't know. He was throwing stuff around because he had all this. You know, he get he had a, he, he. I think he thought you know I was gonna say yeah all right we'll we'll just do that on the weekends you know or whatever like we used to and you you and your dad both kind of did you co-own Snap Store. I know you do now. Yeah. At that point, did you? We always did. We always yeah. did. Yeah. So, yeah, he he has a fit. Sometimes I think it was because he's always, you know, he knows if you tell me I'll fail, then I'm gonna I'm gonna go at it. So I don't know if he was really as upset as he acted like. I think he was because I think he thought I was just gonna say, "All right, yeah, we'll, I'll give." Napa a hundred percent, you know, and a little bit to Verminator, but I, I wanted to, I, I didn't, I don't, I, you know what I mean? Yep, I just, yep. that was what I was going to do. And he's, he got all, man, you're going to fail. And then I had it made at Napa too. Cause I, the, they were paying, you know, the store was paying for the vehicles, me and Cindy, our gas vehicles, insurance. And, and he, he pissed me off so bad that I, before I left, I said, I'll tell you what, I ain't take a dime out of there. I won't take a dime <laughs> out of that place. We'll pay for our own gas, our own vehicle. You know what I mean? I Oh, yeah. And I was regretting it while I was saying it. And then 
I have this fascination about Alaska, you know, about calling in a grizzly. I have since 98 and I, 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 I almost would rob a jewelry store to go back there if I thought I wouldn't get caught. <laughs> so, and, and he said, he said, and that'll be you. Cause I, I said, I'll tell you what, before I walked out of there, I said, and I'm going to take you to back to Alaska and I'm going to pay for it all. You know, and he's like, yeah, you do. You know, and he followed me <laughs> out and we got in and left. <clears throat> and Cindy was like all the way home. She's like, you're an idiot. You are an idiot. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's kind of how all that started. But I didn't ever turn my back on the place. You know, if somebody needed was gone, I'd go in there and work. I, I was, you know, I still have to go in there and build my calls, right? So Yeah, yeah. But anyway, by the time I did that, then that's when the hand call sales kept going downhill. And then I start <clears throat> helping farmers in the summertime. I would run two credit cards. I wouldn't sell a call from March to September, right? So I would have to go figure out how to make some extra money. I remodeled my own house one summer and paid myself to be one of the contract. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, all my friends, you know, Mike, you know, Mike, who I'm yep. talking about, not the yep. farmer, you know, Mike, the hunter, the other one. Yeah. He's the contractor, you know, he pour. So I had all my friends bottom bows you know whatever <laughs> so, yeah i did would do what because it got hard you know if you don't sell enough calls in the winter time to make it through the summer so i was running the credit card up and then luckily i started trying to figure out how to record sounds and i'm a stupid cat my wife's cat <laughs> I bought some of that stuff like you see on an NFL sideline. I mean, you ever wonder how you just hear the quarter? Yep, hut port two. Oh, the big clear, like two foot wide disc, you know, yeah. circle, half circle thing yeah. they're holding up. I bought some of that stuff and I bought some little recording devices and my family and my friends are all farmers. So whenever somebody have a dead critter, which is a cow, I would run, I'd say, leave it. I'll drag it off wherever you want. When I'm done with it, just leave it. Let me do. So, so whenever anybody have a dead cow, then I'd go drive a T post in the ground and put a recording device on. If it was close to my dad or uncle Randy's, I'd just have them about every five days, go put new batteries in it. Cause they wouldn't last. The batteries wouldn't last very long, but that's how I started recording sounds. <clears throat> And I didn't really know, <clears throat> I was still doing the hand call, you know, but not very many Cabela's had dropped me by then. And that's when I went to Idaho and met Tim and I really wasn't into the decoy part of it that much, but he's like, I told him what I wanted to do, you know, and I, I do when I do something, I don't just mess around. We're going to do it, you know, and he's like, okay, well, well, let's design a little decoy that's got a speaker in it and a remote. And that was that screaming joker. Remember it? Yep. It, it was, it wasn't very loud, 
more like something a hand call guy would use and maybe turn it on when the coyote showed up. You know what I mean? Yep. <clears throat> Called the screaming joker. And then he, I said, we got to, I want to make a, I want to, I want to make a hand, you know, like a electronic call. He said, it's going to have to be different and unique. There's so many of them out there. So that's when I made, talked him into making that little lion. I took my mouth mountain lion skull took a i took a mountain lion skull and then made a mold around it because i do you know all this stuff for with casting resin with hand calls and this and that so i made a kind of a prototype and jammed the speaker in it you know and <clears throat> had a little mp3 player so he's like okay we'll try it well everybody thought that was a big joke my dad I, you know it's funny i have one of those in a box still unopened in my garage well that's cool keep it all signed <laughs> well you you have you autographed it for me with one of your uh, pins that one time i was out there <laughs> oh yeah 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 right. okay so everybody thought that was a big joke and made fun of me and all i put on it was hand call sounds i was i was starting to get this live animal sound stuff figured out but i i wasn't gonna just i knew i had something but i wasn't gonna put i knew i knew inside that that little skull thing was kind of a joke a little bit my dad even my dad still every halloween has one of them he took the speaker out of it and he lets the kids reach <laughs> in there and get candy i don't, I don't know if he goes ah. yeah <laughs> But it worked. It called coyotes in. It just wasn't very loud, you know, and the remote wouldn't work 20 yards away. <clears throat> so then he, he he brought you on board. Well, yeah, let's back and, up because a lot of people ask me this. How, how did I get hooked up? How did you and I meet? How did, how did I get in touch with Lucky Duck? So this must have been 2014, 2013 maybe, maybe eight years ago. Maybe 2012 to 2014. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of funny at the time. I, you know, I had just got done putting out like a three, you know, DVD series um, after yours kind of a deal, kind of during the same time. So I had yep. started getting in the commercial side of things. I remember when your stuff, when you, what was the first HD or something? What, what was that? Oh, the first Blu-ray. Yeah, the first ever Coyote DVD on Blu-ray. Paul Anderson, I was like, look at this freaking guy. He's he's going to kill because we're doing the same old crap. Yeah. So, yeah, I was following you. Yeah, I was following you, and I, I was like, when Tim, how did that work? Because you were doing mag magazines or something. Yeah, so at the time, I was, I was writing an occasional article for Predator Extreme magazine. So, you know, a lot of times they'll do these writer articles, writer yeah. hunts, they call them. And I guess Tim must have reached out to Predator Extreme and said, hey, you know, we're, we're developing this new e-call that we're wanting to come out with. We've, we've, Rick's been working on this sound library. Um, we'd like you to send a writer out on a hunt with us. And then in turn, basically the writer comes on this, and then the writer yep. turns around and writes an article about the, the product or, or whatever. So um, I guess I was the closest guy that the, the editor of Predator Extreme knew that was closest to Kansas. So he actually called me up and said, Hey, you want to go down there and, and hunt with these guys? And I said, well, hell yeah. You know, I'd never hunted Kansas at that point, And I knew who you were. Um, and I thought this is going to be awesome. So 
so yeah, we we got all lined up. I remember talking to you on the phone for the first time and talking about all this and and getting the hunt lined up. And and I remember I came down there and you took me on like a three day guided hunt. Man, it was it was the best yeah. thing ever. You sat there and called coyotes. All I had to do is sit there and shoot them. Tim was along, you know. He just rode along and you know I, and basically. I, I was excited about it because I knew you were going to be the first guy, you know, and and to hear some of my news, you know. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing, you know. Yes. I was excited for you to come out because I knew you were in the industry, you know, and you're, I already could tell from following you, you know, that you're a good self-promoter. So I was like, yeah, this could be good. This could be good. So I was excited about it. Well, I was a hundred percent e-call guy too, you know, and that I had never really ever got into the hand calls. So, you know, at the time, Fox Pro was the best out there, and that's what I was using. So I was very familiar with their sound library. You know, after hunting with you for three days and hearing your sounds, I was like, man, there's just no comparison right now. And, yeah, just through basically three days of windshield time driving around with you and Tim. And Tim had no idea who I was or what I did as well. And, and yeah, kind of after three days, man, we had kind of set up a whole plan of of how we were going to conquer this uh, e-call world. Um, you know, with, with obviously Lucky Duck's background of manufacturing and, and having the company and, and actually building the e-calls and then your sound library and just your, your expertise and just coming up with crazy ideas and, and things we need to change. And then you and I both testing out these products cause we're both, you know, killing tons of coyotes. And if it works for us, it should work for basically anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that was kind of how it all started, how the, and then from there it was spun off the show and, um, you know, it's, uh history as they say yep nope it was a good it was a good connection for sure i knew it i knew it when you left i told cindy i said this could work now we got jeff because he's good at he's good at everything i'm not about it you know like i said it's when we film together you know and i think people see that when they watch the last stand you know i know obviously you don't get to travel as much with this still with the store and running selling e-calls and stuff so you're not on every episode um, but I always, it, it's fun hunting with you because, you know, your style is just a little bit different than mine, but they're not yeah. clashing styles, you know, just the way we do it and the way you look at things are a little bit different. And I hope people see that when they watch the show of, of just the I think different, they, uh, I think they do. What pisses me off is that you can shoot, run a coyote so damn good. That, <laughs> well, that's once, not the goal. I, You've seen me. I've, I'm trying this. I try this red dot. I'll try this. I'm try, I'm going to get it. And honestly, this night hunting that opened last winter here in Kansas, that thermal lets me, because they're so far out in the open, I'm getting more practice. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, able, yeah. I'm able to shoot more at them like when I come with you or TR. So I, I'm actually... I'm going to... When we do this night deal, I might be rolling. We might have to keep track... <laughs> How many each of us rolls up running off? Well, yeah. For those who don't know, we're actually going to, this is, we're going to film this. So Kansas opened up their night hunting uh, last year. So it starts January 1st. So we're, we got a big trip planned out there to Rick's first few days of January. We're going to film some episodes of the last stand. We've been getting tons of requests, you know, over the last couple of years of why aren't we filming thermal just because it's such popular, you know, it's, it's growing in popularity across the country. So, you know, Rick and I both have thermal, Rick really, you know, Rick dove head into that, you know, how many thermal units you have now? About five. Yeah. at least. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, we're, I'm excited about that because, you know, 
the day hunting down there the last couple of years, we've just hit it wrong with bad weather and warm weather. And we haven't really piled them up like we thought we should have, but, but, you know, I know your experience last year with night hunting, they were piling in on every yep. stand almost. So especially that time of year too, we're going to be able to throw all your fight sounds and all that crazy stuff at them. We won't play no rabbit. No, 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 no bird. Not, no nothing. Just nothing but fighting, man. It's going to be awesome. <clears throat> so yeah, look yeah. forward to that. I think that'll be down later. That'll probably be, uh, you know, some of the, you'll see probably February, um, maybe episode seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. So be looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome. So one, one last question here before we'll shut this down, you know, okay. out of the, you know, doing your whole, you know, the sound library in, in the e-call thing, you know, what's, what's interesting part of this whole process of, you know, now working hand in hand with lucky duck, testing out these prototypes and, uh, you know, the sounds and things. What, What's the most interesting part of this so far? The most interesting part of it? Yeah, like what have what have you thought? Man, this is this is something I never thought this maybe would turn out like this or be like this, or what have you found as the most exciting part of of putting out, you know, working hand in hand, putting out these e calls with these sounds and things like that? Most exciting part of it. I, I think the most exciting part of it is how well the vocals work when I was so negative against them. Don't you, you know what I'm yeah. saying? When you say vocals, I mean, so I call it coyote based sounds because a lot of people, because I refer to coyote vocals as like you're howling. But when you say yep. coyote vocals, you're referring to all, you're referring to the fighting and all that, right? Yeah, I'm referring to all of it. Like yeah. anything that comes out of a coyote's mouth. Yep. Yep. Like with my grandkids. First time I go, you know, some of the stuff we're going to hit, but I don't, it ain't going to matter because we're going to be doing it tonight. We're going to be playing all vocals. I couldn't call a freaking coyote in with my grandkids and I'm playing little shoulder belt, you know, little baby cocktail, three stands. You know what I'm saying? The yeah, first time yeah. out, they should be, it was a little warm last Saturday. They should be running over me. Right. You know, yep. I can't call a coyote in. So finally I'm like, okay. All right, I'm just going to turn on. I'm not even going to play a rabbit. I didn't, and I call a freaking coyote in. How how can that be? Why does sometimes them vocals work so good? Because they aren't hungry. The previous podcast. The podcast I did, I talked about sound sequences and sound selections and all the different triggers that, you know, the reasons why a coyote comes to the call, you know, and the difference between playing a prey distress sound versus playing one of those coyote fights and, and yeah, if you listen to that episode, you know, that makes perfect sense. That just don't be afraid, you know. That's what I tell people. Don't think you gotta play a rabbit on every one. Don't keep beating a dead horse if it ain't working. Try something <laughs> yeah. different. Yeah. That's yeah, what you know. that's what amazes me. Just like with my grandkids. It was my first time on these spots and the coyote should have came to lip squeaks, baby cocktail demise. You know what I mean? You yep. know what I mean? And they should have came to that stuff, but they weren't. And then I was not wanting to use the vocals because I know we're going to be filming, you know. So I, I was trying not to. I didn't. I didn't think I'd have to the first time out, but I ended up. I did, and then help. Oh, yep, here comes a freaking coyote to vocals. <laughs> <laughs> well, next. What's that? And that's what's awesome about. That's what's awesome about yeah. your sound library, man. Is you have such a, a not just a handful of coyote-based sounds. You have just the the most vast it. collection of any yep. possible sound, you know, we're talking two week old coyotes to two year old, big male coyotes and anything in between, you know, 
um, you know, and combinations of, of different things. So that's what I think is awesome. And, and it's cool too. I, you know, you probably hear it way more than I do, but just a lot of people that maybe have used something different in the past and yeah. all of a sudden they do, they do jump out of their norm and they say, you know what, I'm going to try something a little bit different. Um, and they play some of these sounds that you'll find, you know, some of your sounds on these lucky duck calls. I'm like, wow, you know, that's yep. not just the sounds, but the quality of sounds, um, you know, the way you've went about recording those sounds, you know, you're a master at that, man. So props <coughs> to you, buddy. Keep it up. I'm yep, looking forward I to, I know you send, I know every year you send me like an SD card with all these new sounds, but honestly, <laughs> I probably never play any because I always go back to the same original ones like schoolyard brawl and sick kicking <laughs> ass. Yep. You know, it's, it's hard because they work, they just work. And, and I know every year you come up with just some crazy new ones. It's hard sometimes to, to, to play them, but that's why I come hunt with you. Cause I know you're not going to not press play on those new sounds for me, for me, you know, around here, everybody's got a revolt. I mean, every neighbor, every kid, everywhere we go calling on either side of where I'm taking you, there's been some kid running a revolt or a rough net. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I'm, that's why I'm always playing around with them new sounds. Cause I feel like them kids, they watch us, they watch you playing lucky pecker and schoolyard brawl. So that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Someday wanna, we're going to find the ultimate. I know people think there's like a secret sound that we can push play on every time. And unfortunately it's not like that, but I know that's your ultimate goal is someday yeah. you're going to find a sound that works every single time, you know, regardless. I know, you know. I know not going to happen, but I'd like to find one that works 80% of the time. I, I don't know. know. We'll, <laughs> we'll, It'll we'll, keep you motivated. We'll, we're going to play with some new stuff here. You'll Heck see. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that sounds good, man. I think we'll wrap it up there. You know, like I said, if you want to check out Rick's stuff, his, his website's verminatorpc.com. Um, he's actually doing pre-orders right now on the new Super Revolt that's coming out. Um, if you want to pick one of those up, if you already have a Lucky Duck call and you want to add some some new sounds to it, the great thing about buying through Rick, um, you know, I've been I've been down at your place and you're you're filling orders. It's you filling orders and your wife. You know, it's not somebody back in the warehouse. So you're opening up the call, you're checking it out, making sure everything works before you package it back up, and you're adding in some extra sounds. You know that you're yep. not going to get anywhere where else. So, um, right. so yeah, if you're looking at uh, picking up a Lucky Duck call or a Lucky Duck chair. or battery pack for your call or new sounds you know check out his website verminatorpc.com but appreciate you being on rick we'll have uh thanks we'll have plenty more conversations uh throughout this podcast you know especially when we get together to film these hunts and um you know just to get on here to tell some old school stories uh, i think especially people enjoy after, that after this night hunt when i maybe roll up more than you do running <laughs> we we <laughs> shall see we shall see <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah well thanks again man and uh, thanks goes out to swagger bipods for sponsoring this episode um a thanks to eastman's hunting journal um be sure and check out their website to see what all, everything that they have going on um as well if you're looking to find any information on myself you can go to my website at coyote Creek. you can find all my links to social media accounts um all the the youtube links to the last stand series that that rick and i film um, if you want to find that on YouTube, just go to the Lucky Duck uh, YouTube page to find all those episodes. New ones coming out uh, as we're speaking, so be sure to check those out. But that's all we have for today, but appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. <laughs>